If you have never uh, seen Keone and Mari, uh, go to YouTube and look up Keone, K-E-O-N-E, and Mari, M-A-R-I. They are a couple. Uh, they are a married couple of believers, and they tell the most beautiful stories through the language of dance. And Wendy and I, yesterday morning, uh, we spent, we spent uh, I think, an hour or two at the, at the breakfast table watching dance after dance, and we were both in tears at different points, and ah, unbelievable. But I wanted to show you that as we begin this morning, because Circle dance is one of the metaphors that we have used to try and understand this relationship of God, the Trinity, three and one, one and three. And I just thought that was beautiful when he, when Keone said, hey, sometimes, you see, dance is a universal language. And some people don't have the words or don't speak the same language. But when we dance together, something happens. In that universal language, something beautiful happens. And I love when she said, well, then why don't we just dance instead of fight? And that's it. Let's join the dance. And so when Jesus invites us into relationship, what he is inviting us into is a dance, a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the second year we've done a series on the Trinity And one of the things that the teaching team met this last week, and Kevin was talking uh, to us and some of the feedback that that different teachers have received, is is that the idea of a circle of love, the idea of a circle dance, is not landing with some people. It's, uh, and I, I know specifically with some of us males, that it just feels a little feminine maybe, you know, don't have... Just kind of, kind of emotional feeling stuff, and we don't go in for that. And in some cases, I, I'm sad to say, I think the few people I've kind of chosen out of this series because they just don't connect with it. So what I'd like to do today, as we talk about joyful intimacy, and even that, I can get it. Joyful intimacy can feel sort of emotional, and we think of. Intimacy, and we immediately think of marriage and sex, right? And so it's kind of people are going, ooh. So I'd like to try this morning a couple of different metaphors. You see, God is, metaphor is God's base language. He's always speaking to us in word pictures. He reveals himself through his creation. All of creation is one big world pe- word picture that is expressing who God is. So there's a bunch of metaphors. Now, there is no human metaphor that can capture the truth of the Trinity. But there's some that kind of give us a hint and a reflection. So let me give you a couple of ideas. One of them is just a team, sports, right? I was so happy, Wendy and I were both happy when, uh, when the Last Dance documentary came out during COVID because we had time to... <laughs> We had time to sit and watch however many hours it was. And if you haven't watched it, it is a documentary, multi-hour documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls when they went on their their run of six championships. And uh, and it was interesting that it's called The Last Dance, isn't it? 
And isn't it funny that when March Madness comes, it's called the big dance? That's a metaphor. Wait a minute, what does basketball have to do with dance? See, dance is a metaphor. And even basketball players use it. Why? Because there is, in the game of basketball, and I, I loved being able to be there, watch the Chicago Bulls over those years. Because when the Bulls were in their zone, it was like choreography. No-look passes. They, they knew where each other were on the court at any moment. And they worked together. Now, that didn't just happen, right? But a sports team lives together. They work together. They spend time together. Here's another one, a theater troupe. Wendy and I, I, many of you know, uh, been involved in theater for a long time. Wendy, would you say that there is a certain intimacy that comes when people do a, do a show together? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely right. When you are on stage together, you rehearse together, you do this show together, there is an un, kind of unspoken intimacy that happens. And, because what? You have to trust one another. Wendy and I were in a show called Almost Maine here in Pella about four years ago, and there was there's a scene that we did called um, I Want It Back, and it's a, it's a couple that have been dating for a long time, and he's never popped the question, so she's angry, and she wants all of her love back that she invested in him. And there's this moment on stage, and Wendy will remember this, because we have acted together a lot, and this had never happened. But we were on stage, and we're doing I Want It Back, and Wendy looked at me, and she went, I want it back. And then I gave the line, next line, and she looked at me. And her back was kind of the audience where her eyes were this big. And she went, I, I want it back. And I went, oh, she doesn't know what the next line is. <laughs> she had lost it. And I, I didn't need her to tell me that. I have been on stage with her enough to know, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and what do you do in that moment? You trust one another to find the line, to find the rhythm back again, and we were able to get it back. One, one year, I was in a show, uh, South Pacific, and I, I played uh, Commander Brackett, who's like the, the big military commander in the South Pacific, on the South Pacific Island. And... I had this scene with uh, one of the other guys in the show who played uh, uh, Captain Harbison. Uh, and so Harbison, I, we had the scene in the office together. So we, I get to there, I get to my spot, we're in the dark, the lights come up, and there's no Harbison. He's outside having a smoke. <laughs> and there's no one else on stage. So, what do you do? Well, firstly, I saw Daryl backstage, and I forget what his, his name, character name was, Stewpot, I think. He's like, Stewpot! And he jumped out on stage. So, I said, Where's Harbison? I don't know, sir. Find Harbison! And he said, so He ran backstage and he screams, Somebody find Harbison! And then somebody in the hallway picked up on what was going and went, Where's Harbison? And then all down the hallway, I hear people yelling, Where's Harbison? 
And then all of a sudden you hear the door and you hear the footsteps. <laughs> and here comes Harvison. He's sweating. He smells like smoke. <laughs> he's out of the room big. You just have to go with it. There is a certain intimacy that happens when you have to trust one another in the performance. You can't just stop and say, okay, I'm sorry. We're just going to reset for a minute, okay? You don't get to do that. How about when it comes to military? You know, when I think about a circle dance, when I think about a group becoming one, what about soldiers in a battle? Soldiers often talk about being a band of brothers. And by the way, that term, band of brothers, comes from Shakespeare, Henry V. So the king of England, Henry, who in that day, the king is up here and all the commoners, all the common soldiers are down here. And Henry says to his soldiers on the morning of the battle, he says, guess what? We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today who sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he never so vile and common and low, but this day when we together shed blood and fight for one another and have each other's backs, he shall be my brother. And this day, will gentle his condition. That's what a band of brothers is. And if you've never watched the series Band of Brothers on HBO, it tells the story of an actual company of men, Easy Company, in the Airborne, and it tells their story from when they came together in boot camp all the way through the war to the beach on Normandy and the major battles that they fought in to the Battle of the Bulge until the end of the war when they all went their separate directions. And during the series, every episode begins with the actual men of Easy Company speaking and telling their stories. And these men have an intimacy that I don't think anybody can understand unless you've been there. The band of brothers. That's a good metaphor for the Trinity, for Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, in each of these metaphors, a team has a tournament and a game. A theater troupe has a performance. Soldiers have a battle. But you don't just show up for the event. There is a period where there is shared experience and shared time, and there is shared purpose. So by the time the event comes, there's already a knowledge of one another. There's already an intimacy that's been developed. There is already a sense of, we are in this together, and I have your back, and you have mine. I hope I'm making sense here. So... Let's think about intimacy a little bit. And let's now shift and think about Jesus, whose mission was not just forgiveness. Hear me on this. Jesus' mission was not just to forgive us. Jesus' mission 
was to make the way for us to join in the dance, in the group of soldiers, in the theater troupe, on the team. He made a way for us to be involved in a relationship that includes shared time, shared experience, shared purpose. So let's go to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. If you got your Bibles with you or pull it up on your app. And we're going to be in Mark 1, verses 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. So now there's an opening. And the spirit descending on him like a dove... And then a voice from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. So now, we've got father, son, Spirit coming down like a dove. Spirit sends him into the wilderness. Now put your finger there and go over to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said, Rabbi, this is great. Good for us to be here. Hey, why don't we put up three shelters, one for you, Moses, one for Elijah? And he didn't know what he was saying because he was so frightened. And then a cloud appeared. Now, a cloud is a metaphor. It is the presence of the cloud is God's Shekinah in the Old Testament. When the high priest went in the temple, when Moses was on the mountain, God came in the form of a cloud, the Numa, the spirit, the breath of God. So we have Jesus being transfigured. We have the spirit in the form of the cloud. And then comes the voice again. This is my son. Whom I love. So let's unpack this a second. We start with we start with the baptism and the temptation in the wilderness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are there. Okay? It's not just about Jesus, it's about the three of them. And they all have their role to play. This is part of the dance. Now notice that God says, God the Father says. This is my son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has not done any miracles. He hasn't raised anybody from the dead. He hasn't died for our sins. He hasn't cured anybody from leprosy. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't even started his ministry. And the father says, I am well pleased. Why? Because God's pleasure is not about what we do. It's not something that is earned. It is something that comes out of relationship. 
It comes out of intimacy. Before Jesus ever came to earth, the Father was pleased to him. Before Jesus fulfilled his mission, the Father was pleased with him. And when we enter in relationship with God, he is, we're, we're part of that. We're part of the pleasure. Follow me? Okay. So now, this, notice the Spirit sends him into the wilderness. So we've got the wilderness on one hand, and then we've got the transis, uh, transfiguration. We've got trial and glory. We've got the wilderness of exile, like life on earth, and we've got a vision of eternity in heaven. The wilderness and the glory. And the Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness. So for those of you who might be tempted to think that the gospel is all about name it, claim it, prosperity, please understand that when you are in the divine dance and you are in relationship with God, sometimes you get sent into the wilderness. Why? Because that's where we grow up. That's where we mature. That's where we learn relationship. How does a soldier know that somebody's got his back? Because we're in the battle together. We're in the foxhole. The bullets are flying. And I know in that moment that you would do anything for me. So it is in life when life is a struggle and we are in the wilderness and the bullets are flying that we understand in this relationship with God that we can trust him. We can believe him. We can place our faith in him and he will see us through. That's what we're there. That's, that's part of the relationship. And in the glory, we're part of the glory too. Romans chapter nine, I'm sorry, Romans chapter eight says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. So as God invites us into this relationship, we're no longer just peons. We now become children of God. And if we are children of God, then we are heirs. We are an heir of God the Father who is going to give us our inheritance. And we are co-heirs with Christ. We are raised to, and Brian talked about that last week, every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order we will share in his glory. See, in the relationship, we participate in the relationship in both, in the wilderness and in the glory. All right, one more scripture. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because, note this, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, said, But Lord, 
Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will, underline this one, we will come to them and make our home with them. And how does he do that? By the Holy Spirit of God who indwells any who receives him. So now this is part of the divine dance. Now notice that we experience God in our trials and our triumphs when we're in relationship with the Trinity. Not when we've made some cognitive ascent to a bunch of doctrines. Okay, that doesn't do it. Oh yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, sure. And in Jesus' one only son, sure. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That is not being one in the dance, in the intimate relationship with God. That's just a, okay, boom. I'll, I'll check the list and say I believe it. It is not this, when we participate in the wilderness and in the glory, it is not transactional. Okay, Jesus, yep, you died so that I could be forgiven. We just sang that, didn't we? So that I could be forgiven. And if I just believe it and agree with that, then when I die, you're going to punch my ticket to heaven. That's like showing up uh, on the team at the finals of the tournament and going, yep, put me into play. It's like showing up at the performance and you never came to rehearsal and saying, put me in. It's like showing up at the battle and you've never been to boot camp and you don't know anybody in your company. How is that going to go over? You see, being a follower of Jesus is a relationship, not a transaction. We have our, thank you for that. You got it. We've been talking about this for the last couple of years. These are the core values of Third Church. The core values are identity, belonging, purpose, and intimacy. Okay? Belonging, purpose, intimacy, and identity. So if your relationship with God is transactional, you will never have these four things with God. You won't. You will have, your identity will be as a card-carrying, certificate-bearing member of Third Church. Your belonging will be, yeah, I come on Sunday morning with the rest of the crowd. Your intimacy is going to be that of a handshake and a good Midwestern conversation. Hi, hi. How are you? Fine. How was your week? It's good. Did you get some coffee? No, I, I had some at home. Thank you. So I hope you have a good week. You too. How intimate is that? That, if your faith is transactional, that's, what, that's the level of intimacy that you will have. If your faith is transactional, the purpose is simply volunteering 
Maybe, if somebody asks, but they never ask. So my purpose, I guess, is to help out, give some money, and show up. And that's why our culture today is saying it doesn't work. It doesn't make any difference. I know people who say they're Christians. I know they go to church all the time. But it doesn't work because they are no different than anybody else. As we talk about flourishing in exile, as we talk about the circle of love, please understand that we are talking about entering a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what's the difference between relationship and transactional? It's shared time. I spend time with God. I have time when I am alone with God. I have conversation with God. I listen to God's voice as I study and read. But I do more than that. I devour this. Man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I digest this. I consume it. I let it become part of my spirit. And from that, I I listen, I hear God's voice as he speaks to me through his word. I have conversations with God. We call that prayer, and it's more than just a transactional, okay, God, here's what I need. Conversation with God is, God, here's where I'm at today, and this is what I'm hearing from you, and God, I, I don't understand this, and God, help me, and then I stop, and I listen, and I listen for the still, small voice, and we are having this time and this shared experience. It is community. I have community with God and with other believers in which we get down and dirty about the stuff of life and what's going on. And we have mission, purpose. Because if I am not making a difference with my clients, with my colleagues, with my neighbors, then I am missing out on the whole purpose of the divine dance. So where does it start? The mission of Third Church, let me just remind you. The mission of Third Church is sending servant-hearted, servant-hearted disciples with a passion for Jesus into the world. A member is not a disciple. You hear me? A member is not a disciple. If you do not have relationship, if you do not enter the divine dance, if you are not trying to figure out how to have an intimate relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling you and the Father in heaven, then stay home. Don't waste your time coming. We are going to be pushing into discipleship in the years to come. And so this morning, I just want to lay out for you our desire that we, that everyone 
would step away from being a member of Third Church and step into a relationship with the Almighty. And it begins with a simple opening up your heart and life to him. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Worship team, you can come on up. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens up the door of their heart and life, and invites me in, I will come in. And you know what we're gonna do? I love this. I'm not gonna come in and condemn you. I'm not gonna come in and give you a list of things that you gotta do to straighten up your life. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm gonna come in and I'm going to give you a task list. He doesn't say, I'm gonna come in and basically tell you what all the things you need to do to earn my love. He says, Open the door and I will come in and sit down and we're going to have a meal. We're going to have a good meal and we're going to eat and we're going to have good food and good drink and we're going to sit there at the table and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to get intimate. We're going to have a relationship over that meal and your life will never be the same. So this morning... If you have never, ever made that choice, I would invite you this morning to do that. As we sing, as we worship, close up the service, it's really easy to do. Just there, you can whisper it, you can say it in your spirit as long as, it's, it, it, as, long as it, is, it is the desire of your heart. You open up and say, Jesus, come in. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I give it to you. I surrender myself to you. Come in and be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that this morning. God, I pray for all of us. For those who know you, I pray this morning that, that we would be committed to being better, more intimate in our relationship with you. Help us, Lord to make shared time for you, shared experience with you. Lord, help us to seek out your shared purpose for us. And if there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would knock on the door of their heart, that they would, they would feel it in their spirit. And I pray, Lord, that they would open that heart this morning and sincerely ask you to come in and dwell them and lead them into the divine dance with you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.